Most salespeople sell like the kid's game of telephone. If I say something to you, and then you say it to somebody else, and then by the time it gets back to me, it's a completely different message, right? Yes. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's Sales Strategy Enablement Podcast. I'm Alistair Wilcox, CSRO here at Revenue.io, and I'm thrilled to have with me today the CEO of Sendoso, Chris Rudigat. Chris, it is brilliant to have you. Sendoso has been on a tear for the last couple of years. Am I coming out of the pandemic? All of those things. Again, it's a, it a shifting quick market. So I'm very keen to dive in with you today on you know, what's changing in terms of some of the sales behavior, customer behavior, marketing behavior. It's going to be fantastic. So welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. Excited to chat. Now, Chris, we love to start off with our news of the week. And one thing that I was just reading about uh, recently was the Adweek part uh, just published an article called B2B marketers find corporate gifting wildly successful. But then they had a dash and it says, when infused with data. <laughs> and they reported that actually having over 80% of prospects reported that they hate to show up in the package when it rise of them. But there is some data correlation here that now occurs. I think people tend to think of gifting I'll defer to you here as the expert and kind of this simplistic, well, we just we just drop shipping stuff and, and life is fine. But it's not that. In and the, the sophistication and usage of data, when, how, and sales cycles is is hugely germane to this space. But what are you seeing? Is that is Adweek right? What, what, what's your thoughts when you hear the headline? Yeah, I, I think they're absolutely right. And I think personalization, uh, leveraging data is is equal and synonymous to kind of the evolution of email too. I think email as a channel, there was lots of spray and pray generic messaging that didn't work as well as when you personalize it. And I think for for a while there, people thought, hey, I could just like send a bunch of emails and people are going to reply. Just like people thought, hey, I could just send a bunch of packages and people are going to open them and magically call me. But in reality, you know, with anything, you really have to focus on the personalization and typically a personalization that requires data. Yeah, absolutely, it does. I, I feel like we've come a long way, and I'm going to date myself here. But <laughs> there is there is like aggressive gifting campaigns, like you know the likes of NetApp and Big OEM, Cisco and HP, IBM. Everybody used to do it. They really? give partners MDF funds. Oh yeah, marketing development funds to drop shift gifts. One of the one of the old ones that it used to be was you'd send a remote control car, <laughs> really nice one, out to people, but say so you get the you get the remote when you meet. So always you do it around Christmas time. Well, that'd be a good gift for my kid. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'll take the meeting just to get the stupid remote from you. Yeah. And uh, but we've come a long way. Like that's just generic big push. When you think of personalization, how are you using data to drive personalization? Yeah. So I think uh, it could either be personalization of the gift itself, like knowing the recipient's interests, their location, uh, even based on maybe more of like their persona. You might gift a CIO something differently than you'd gift maybe like a marketing manager. Uh, so I think one, that you get based on persona. Two, I think there's uh, how you are kind of personalizing and using data for the handwritten note or the message that goes along uh, with that gift, which I think is equally important. And then how do you tie that together all in a very synced kind of sequence or outbound uh, effort? So the message before the gift, the gift, the message after the gift, whether that's an email or a phone call, all needs to come together. 
so that you're not just sending a gift and hoping for a reply. You're sending a gift, calling up and saying, hey, did you get that remote, you know, or, you know, and, and even using yeah. some more fun language to make it more of a personal uh, approach. If you don't mind, I'd love to just double click a little on language. Mm -hmm. Because an issue I often encounter, I, I saw this at Gartner and, and even today in our space of sales technologies, you know, there's a lot of sequencing, there's a lot of uh, when to reach people and all those things, which is, which is hugely important. Yeah. But the touch point and personalization to me is so much more than simply you use my name. Yes. Or you dropped in something you scraped from LinkedIn about me. Right. How do you how do you articulate? How do you guide people on personalization, Chris? Like what what's what's ideal? Yeah. So I think you can personalize the gift with the value prop. Maybe you send like a locked bottle of wine with a code, and the message is around, "Hey, do you want to unlock more revenue? You know, use X Y Z solution." So there's a bit of a almost play on words in a sense mm -hmm. uh, that makes the, the you know, the, the recipient, when they read it, feel like, hey, this person actually put an effort. This is creative. This is interesting. So I think it's the creativity there. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's the signal of when you send to. It's similarly like when you send an email, uh, you got to think about when you send a gift too, whether it's, is there a third party signal based on a funding announcement or some, maybe they went to your website and downloaded a white paper and you want to send them maybe a Starbucks e-gift card to enjoy while they're reading it it just comes across more human. And, you know, really, how do you just build rapport as if you're trying to build a friendship with that prospect? Let's start conversion next. What's that? This market in particular, you know, I think for a lot of our listeners, right, they're in their sales leaders, their enablers, is all of these things. One of the front and center things is how do you drive pipeline right now? Yeah. Certainly during the pandemic, there was, there was a heavy rise of virtual anything essentially, right? And getting people there. But what have you seen coming out of the pandemic? What are you seeing now in terms of, you know, is this still a mechanism that is front and center for people like it was over the last kind of 24, 36 months? Are you seeing a shift in dynamic of people wanting more of this? So what are you seeing in your lens? So I'd say the kind of two or three biggest trends that I'm seeing now, one is Prior to the last year and a half, there was more of a focus on just really the, to, to be top of the funnel, yeah. trying to drive people into the funnel. Uh, we're seeing gifting used more lower in the funnel to try to drive more conversion. At the end of the day, you're trying to drive revenue. Do you put more at the top of the funnel or do you convert more that's already in the funnel? And so we're seeing people really trying to focus in on converting stage two, three, four, uh, shortening sales cycles or bringing in more buyers into the buying committee by way of using gifting. So I think that's a trend we're seeing. And I think that coincides with some of the larger narrative of the headwinds of the economy and maybe having lower budgets to spend. And so do you go and do a bunch of more pipeline or the pipeline you already have to try to close more of that? So I think that's one trend we're seeing. The other we're seeing is for us, the use case of the CX team, whether that and mostly the account management team, yeah, uh, starting to pick up and get licenses themselves and using this as more of a land and expand play, where previously we had a ton of demand gen, SDR, you know, full cycle AEs. We've seen an influx of customer success and, and account management teams wanting to use this as a way to instill better retention or land and expand. And I think that's a trend too of how do you, uh, drive more revenue from your existing customers, and what tools can you use to do so? Let's expand on both of those, if you don't mind. Like yeah. the first one, what I think I heard you say there is 
you're seeing a lot of almost mid-funnel development, right? Stage two, three, four progression. <laughs> and that that isn't surprising to me, but what I really like is this concept of multi-threading. Yeah. So how am I opening or proactively engaging with somebody that is in, you know, going to be a part of the adjacent buying group, or maybe not my direct buyer, but a supporting cost member. Yeah. Again, just to drop a Gartner number on here, buying groups sit on average around nine people on most deals. I think it's large as 13, but it sits around nine. Yeah. And what we always saw was, and certainly the recent data on it is, the groups have actually grown coming out of the pandemic. So what happened in the pandemic, actually buying groups shrunk slightly, not a lot, but a little. They went down on average seven because there was just so much pressure to go, go, go. Like just get change done, right? Yeah. But coming back out and in this economy, people are very risk adverse. So when there's more risk, you have more oversight. More oversight expands the buying group. So now using a mechanism to engage those additional resources or at least drive awareness is 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 massive because yeah. most people in companies most salespeople and go-to-market teams they sell like the kids game of telephone and chris said oh, if you you know you think of the game of telephone i if i say something to you and then you say it to somebody else and then somebody says to dave our producer on this line by the time it gets back to me it's a completely different message right mm -hmm. and sales reps tend to sell with i have my one or two champions in my account I told them the message. They understand the value. They're guiding the process. Yeah. But that poor person, is the buyer, they got to go convince nine other people. Precisely. And by the time that game of telephone goes all the way through, it's all wrong. It's, it, the value's gone. Something is broken there. And you think of stage two, three development. I love the idea of using the language tied to gifting and engagement and sequencing that invites adjacent buyers to the table. Exactly. Like invites them to hear the narrative of the conversation that they need to. Am I thinking right in the right way? You're, you're nailing it. One of the things you mentioned too, and I think some sellers get this wrong, is that, you know, that large, you know, call it nine, 10 people. A lot of sellers say, hey, I need to meet with every one of them right now. And I need, and, and so they, they really are trying to engage with the call to action of let's meet for 15 minutes, 30 minutes. When in reality, one of the things you mentioned is the awareness factor and the right information for that awareness. And so I think that's an interesting angle where maybe that other VP, you don't necessarily need to meet with them. You just want to make sure they have the right information and they're aware of the solution that your champion is trying to buy. And so that's where you can send a gift or a printed collateral or you know maybe it's, hey, have lunch on me while you read this printed collateral. By the way, I'm talking to your colleague XYZ already about this. Wanted to keep you in the loop. There's no CTA, but it's uh, paying it forward, saying, hey, here's a DoorDash gift card. Here's some content that they're going to probably quickly flip through. But now when that champion, that buyer goes to ask that boss or that other person on an adjacent team, hey, what do you think about you know XYZ solution? Like, oh, yeah, I already know a bit about it. Like, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah. And so I think how, how do you build awareness in a friendly way? And gifting kind of warms up that buying committee awareness. I, I, I love it. Warming the committee. Yes. <laughs> right. I, that, that, is, that is such a great way of describing it, right? Because yeah. endearment or the feeling that, okay, you gave me something, therefore I should reciprocate. Mm -hmm. you know, that, it's a psychological technique that works very well, right? Forced reciprocation, or at least in that way, so quite forced, but in inviting the person to reciprocate, it, yeah. I think it's really, 
really powerful. I want to be personally picky here yeah. on this. I get sent from vendors times here and there. They're like, oh, here's take a meeting with me. Here's 25 bucks for Starbucks or here's a gift card to thank you so much. And, and if I'm honest, I never even click on the things. I'm like, look, I, I don't have the time and I'm not going to go through this for 25 bucks. Now, I'm not a prima donna. <laughs> My wife might argue, but I don't think I'm too much of that. But when you look at the tiering of the personas, are you seeing different things work better for different personas? And, and any advice as you think of that in the context of B2B? Like, is there fast transactional to seed? Is there more progressional stuff? Like, what's a way to drive engagement by the persona as well? Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think you definitely have to segment what you're going to send based on personas and, and also the, the tactic and call to action. So I think there's historically uh, gifting use cases where I've seen, hey, you take a meeting with me, I'll give you $25 at Starbucks. That almost yeah. feels like you're trading value, your time for a gift card, which it doesn't really feel as as human or you're not even explaining the value of the service you're trying to offer. You're just saying, I want your time and here's a gift card. So I think that tactic doesn't work as well as really trying to go and try to solve the potential buyer's problem. Hey, what is the pain point you're trying to solve? And can you trickle in a gift card as part of that? So you might start with the value proposition, start with, you know, trying to do a little bit of a pain discovery, and then maybe even it's like, hey, P.S., by the way, you know, here's a gift on me or pay it forward or, you know, even sending them something first and then trying to really deliver the value. So for our suggestions, it's really how do you still do what you should be doing in sales, which is discovery, figuring out pain and try to solve that pain and using gifting as an attention grabber or a way to build rapport with that prospect too. And and I think uh, I'd add on there the importance of the personal note. Yes. Uh, that has made a real resurgence mm-hmm. because it's unique. It's physical. It's there. It's something that goes yeah. with it. And I think if you took the effort to actually literally write my name yeah. and write something, okay, I, there you go. It doesn't guarantee you I'm going to jump up and down. Yep. <laughs> But I do notice mm-hmm. like that that is much more than not, right? And I even think in in our domain, right? You know, we're using generative now to create personalized automated email follow up and mm-hmm. do other actions inside there. Like that that real resurgence around genuine, authentic personalization. Yeah. I think that's what people are looking for. No different than why did kids love why is Polaroid made a resurgence? Polaroid cameras? Like now that didn't dead 10 years ago and now is front and center back because you have an entire generation of people you know teenagers at this point largely to go all i've grown up with is digital and and i actually the physical is is finite i can lose it it's gone it's a moment it's a picture i took and that's it and when it's gone it's gone yep there's no no sharing recovery i had to be there in that moment present and i think if we embrace that personalization with digital Yep. That is how we're going to drive better pipeline and conversion. Yeah. And I think the two two other things there to hit on, like just human psychology and human behavior is one is curiosity. So I think if you spark someone's interest, they see a handwritten note or they see a box, they're curious what's in it. They're curious what this note says. So there's a bit of curiosity. And as humans, we're curious. And so we want to continue to read or continue to open and explore. And then the other is creativity. I think humans in general enjoy creativity. And, and so if you can break those patterns with creativity and creativity being in the note and the message or the, the digitally written email, all those things are just going to break up 
patterns that you see day in and day out. And that creativity will draw your attention in to want to kind of read what it says. Yeah, 100%. So now I, I have to ask as well, because just on the spirit of curiosity here, what shouldn't people do? Yeah, I think that's a good question. It equally is what you should do is what you shouldn't do. And I think we kind of talked to one already in terms of gifting, which is just that, hey, I'll give you 25 bucks if you take a meeting and really use that as a transactionary thing. While I do think that can work in advertisements, I've seen time and time again where there's like, take a demo, get a get AirPods. And if you see that on an ad and you're willing to spend your time, I think that transaction works well. And we see swag and gifts work well in, in advertisement incentives. But from a human to human interaction where you're trying to build rapport with a prospect, you want to do more human related you know, messaging and not transactional type. So I think that's important. You, you don't want to, you know, spray and pray and uh, not follow up. So I think uh, that we see time and time again, we're like, hey, I'm just going to send out, you know, $1,005 Starbucks gift cards. And I expect, you know, 500 replies like, eh, wrong. Like, you know, you've got to be thoughtful and you've got to put time into it. And I think those are the other ones that popped to my mind. So it doesn't sound like I'm going to be able to get away with this for my uh, Christmas shopping anytime soon. <laughs> uh, send it off to all my loved ones. And yeah. Say, Hey, there it is. <laughs> Chris, we are going to run out a little bit of time here. So I'm going to shift this song just ever so slightly. Sure. And maybe we can have a part two as well as I really want to get into some of the data pieces and you know how do we drive the additional personas, which today we just taught top of the funnel, largely. Yes. I want to hit on that second piece that is so key, expansion. Yeah. Customer success, follow through, because- in these markets, over 80% of the growth for most companies is coming from the existing base. You know that. So I would love to have you back and dive into that topic next. Yeah, that would be a fun section just focusing on that. Now, we always love to close off a little bit of trivia here, things that are happening in the market right now as well. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you three choices of uh, what's going on here. And uh, this is, and uh, forgive the Gardner reference yet again, I feel like <laughs> I overused it for today. But Gardner's latest sales enablement study, and this was actually just released about 90 days ago now, it talks about the increase in budgets now through 2027. So when you think of enablement, enablement is expanding into the RevOps space. You know, there's there's a lot that's going on there, right? It isn't just training and coaching anymore. It's, it's literally customer enablement all the way through to the CS function as well, which we should hit on on our next discussion. Agree. But now I'm going to give you three budget numbers. How much is it going up by? A, 40%. B, over 50%. C, over a whopping great big 60%. How about C? It is close. It's just over 50% okay. increase. <laughs> That's good. But nonetheless, that is a yeah. phenomenal jump up. That's great. You know, and for those in our our enablement listeners, yeah, like be proactive, put together a plan, uh, but don't just ask for more money. Start to thinking about, well, how's this money tying into how I am going to go train my sellers to enable the buying groups? I think, Chris, what you said earlier there is so key there. There's many steps, one of which is personalization and, and showing something that I actually care and know something about you as an individual at that. I think that's a, that's a huge Huge opportunity for these teams. All right. Final question for you. Moment. What's a moment that you laugh about? A moment you regret in life? A moment you could redo? 
I mean, I loved love that I started Sedoso. Maybe I would have started it sooner. <laughs> so maybe, uh, you know, taking the jump from being an individual contributor, you know, employee at another company to starting a company. I think that, you know, if I were to redo it, I'd become an entrepreneur and a founder even sooner. Why well, I, I could not even think of a better sentiment than that. I've always maintained in life that if you got a bug and you know how to build something, build it because that's what creates jobs. Exactly. And Chris, you generated hundreds and hundreds of jobs. So thank you for doing that. And let's continue to hold that up and encourage everybody with an idea. It's hard. It's risky. It's daunting. Yep. It's sleepless nights. <laughs> it's all of the bad stuff. But when you can turn around and see a group of employees that are there and their family's livelihood and they're building and working towards a common vision, there's no greater reward than that. So thank you for doing that. 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Chris, thank you for the time today. It has been brilliant. Yeah. We will have you back and we're going to dive in further into the, you know, the post-sale side of this. I think it's a fascinating conversation, but again, Chris, CEO of Sendoso, thank you so much. Brilliant having you on. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. And for everybody else, thank you for listening in today to the Sales Strategy Enabling Podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe and phone in, email, send your questions to Howard and I, and we will do our best to get to them on a future episode. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you next Thursday.